We have got a full flight pattern for the show this morning. We'll get some perspectives on calves entering feed yards. We'll get the latest on what's happening in the energy markets. Learn about the priority list for the GOP now that a speaker has been elected. And we will get an update on the status of the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline. Live from your above-ground Ag Info Pipeline via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Jordan Fife from BioUrgia. Then it's U.S. Representative Sam Graves from Missouri and later Lee Blank from Summit Carbon Solutions. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now... Here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Thank you so much. Man, oh, man, looking at the radar here real quickly. We've got a line of showers from southern Texas to Ontario, dude. Is that right? Yes. Wow. It is a a long, long path of rain. Uh Uh-huh. How about you there uh, locally? You got anything going? Uh, Anything to report? I... It, it's raining on both sides of me. It's within a mile on both sides of me. Oh. We had very light rains overnight. I got missed by most of it. I okay. heard a little bit of thunder. But and so far this morning, it's just been blah. Uh-huh. But, mm-hmm. it, I mean, if it's going to do this, let's do it. Let's yeah. get some water flowing and mm-hmm. uh, put some stuff in the ground. Good grief. Bro, Good we grief. got a little something going on down here in KC. I'm not sure if the sun even works here anymore it was <laughs> it was raining pretty decent when i got up yeah somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven ish okay. this morning okay it's foggy yeah. it's foggy but we've been getting rain yeah 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 uh snow is still falling up in montana north dakota and in the mountains in wyoming so uh, uh even up in in northwest south dakota there's some some snow flying up there so Boy, the change in the weather is coming, and it's coming in a hurry. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover today. What yes. a lineup we've got. Yeah. So let's get started with some news. Well, we can begin with the USDA daily export sale of 110,000 metric tons of soybeans to China during the 23-24 marketing year. Yeah, we need to continue to see those on a daily basis, and it would be nice to fit if that was three or four times the size. That would mm-hmm. be much better. Well, USDA's cold storage report showed frozen beef stocks climbed more than average during September, largely due to the previous month's figure revised down 15.1 million pounds. Mm-hmm. Pork stocks declined slightly last month. Yeah, it, it seems like there are some hints. I mean, barely some hints of a slowdown in beef demand in that cold storage report. Well, the National Weather Service continues to talk about a significant early season weather storm, uh, continues from the northern Rockies Rockies through the northern plains Thursday, tapering off tomorrow. Heavy rainfall with the threat of scattered flash flooding for the southern plains and upper Great Lakes, much above temperatures for the east as winter-like cold spreads southward in the northern and central plains. Chip Newhouse Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, takes the reins of the bitterly divided House Republican majority. Johnson cited sending aid to Israel, fixing a, quote, broken southern border, and reining in federal spending as his top legislative priorities. Johnson pledged to try to, quote, restore the people's faith in this house. That would be great. Oh, yeah. It's one of the – listen – <clears throat> That's got to be part of the conversation that we have with Representative Graves this morning. Yep. We'll talk about some other priorities, but I just want to hear about the condition of the of the Republican Party in the House and yeah. and uh, get get uh, Representative Graves' perspective on that. Well, a Johnson letter to House members said he wants a new farm bill debated in the House in yeah. December, but key unresolved issues remain among top farm bill leaders. While reports have surfaced of some additional funding being made available in the Senate, the additional funding is far from the level needed to significantly improve the Title I farmer safety net. Meanwhile, Chip, Senate Ag Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow added her voice to those calling for a one-year extension of the 2018 Farm Bill to prevent permanent law from kicking in and to allow lawmakers to work out details of the next version of the bill. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu revealed plans for his ground incursion into Gaza and emphasized the recent airstrikes were merely the beginning of the operation. Mm -hmm. 
This development occurs amid a humanitarian crisis in Gaza marked by a looming shortage of life-saving fuel and yeah. a crippled health care system. What a mess. What a mess. We're going yeah. to talk about um, the, the impact of what's happening in the Middle East on the energy markets with Jordan coming up here in the next segment. Chip, Ukraine has suspended its newly established Black Sea Grain Corridor in response to what has been identified as a threat posed by Russian warplanes. Prior to the suspension, more than 40 cargo vessels had utilized the corridor to transport 1.5 million metric tons of various commodities, including grains, oilseeds, veg oils, and meals, out of Ukrainian ports. USDA released its food price forecast for 2024, indicating a modest increase in grocery prices nearing pre-pandemic levels. In 2023, food prices are expected to rise by 5.8% compared to 2022, with restaurant prices increasing by 7.1%. Grocery prices expected to rise 5.1%. These projections consistent with the September outlook and represent a tenth of a percentage point decrease from the August forecast, Chip. Yeah, and we had the GDP numbers out this morning, too, up 4.9% mm-hmm. in uh, third quarter GDP. That I, I think it was expected at 42 or 4.3%. So coming in at 4.9% is, uh, it, 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 again, it's a, it's another big mess. But like Bubba would say, can you trust the numbers? <laughs> ah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> we'll figure that out later. Thanks, Davis. You bet. Uh, let's bring in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. We're getting plenty of rain down here, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that Catalan feed report that we got last Friday, uh, give me some perspective on the bigger than expected placements pace in September. Right. So it's been a while since we saw a Catalan feed report that contained this big a surprise. Uh, Everybody expected that placement number to be up, but the 6% increase over September of last year was really surprising. And in drought and feed costs are two primary reasons. And uh, you know, Kansas and Texas led the way with higher placements. Uh, those placements were uh, from come from those heavier category, heavier weight categories. Mm-hmm. Other key thing, Chip, here is marketings were at 1.66 million, and that's the lowest number since 2015. Jeez. So all of this adds up to uh, we've got a lot of heifers on feed. We placed more heifers again, and uh, puts that yeah. number of heifers at about 4.6 million. That's 1.3% higher than last year. Chip, back in April, we were looking at a a heifer on feed number that was 1.7% below the previous year. So that tells us this drought is still going. That tells us that liquidation is still ongoing here. Uh, And and it's going to push this this phase of the cycle out even further than we anticipated. Yeah, yeah. You know... the reaction was significantly negative on Monday with the limit down move, but absolutely. But long term, Greg, I don't. This just—it looks like there's more mess, more mess uh, in in the, the, the on the supply side of this cattle market. So, all right, buddy, let's let's stay up to speed on it. Thank you so much. That's Greg Henderson. We got Jordan Fife coming up next here on AgriTalk. AgriTalk is brought to you by Neogen. Igenity Beef by Neogen is a simple DNA test that allows you to make selection decisions in your replacement heifers that will build the future of your cow herd. Learn more at Neogen.com. Always up early. Always getting the job done. Always working as hard as you can. Always pushing for more. Because you never settle. For farmers who seek outstanding performance they can count on, the only brand is DeKalb Corn. Featuring a broad portfolio of products, precision bred to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand. Never settle. See us at DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. For some farmers, soybeans are on their mind 24-7. If you're all about the beans, then Asgrow brand is all about you. That's why we've dedicated ourselves to developing truly localized products. Products with leading genetics and top-tier weed management. Products that maximize the profit potential on every acre you've got. You're serious about soybeans, and we're serious about your success. Visit asgrow.com. It's all about the beans. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. 
It's time to take control of your seed corn at planting with Enzup Seed Flow ZN from Brand. Enzup Seed Flow ZN is a talc-based product that combines three technologies into one convenient product for your planter box applications. Say goodbye to planting skips with a seed fluency technology that results in better seed singulation, giving you a more precise planted crop. And this product is formulated with enzymes and zinc to promote early growth, leading to a stronger, healthier crop. Take control of your corn seed today with Brandt Ensup Seed Flow ZN, the ultimate solution for your planting needs. To learn more, visit brandt.co slash take control. At Simplot Grower Solutions, success starts with seed. For each field condition, climate, and agronomic management style, your local Simplot Grower Solutions crop advisor can help you select and provide the seed that enables you to plant a strong foundation for the growing season. Our team of seed experts are committed to your success and will offer the support you need to optimize your yield potential. Contact your local crop advisor now for your best seed opportunity or visit SimplotGrowerSolutions.com for more information. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, we've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, come to, to VA. VA. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bravant Seeds. You want someone who knows how to do the whole job. That's what ag retailers do. That's why Bravant Seeds are available only through retailers. Find yours at bravant.com slash retail. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday morning. Um, boy, we've, we've got quite a lineup uh, for you. We're going to go through them in a hurry here this morning. And we're going to get things started with Jordan Fife. Jordan is the president of trading at BioUrgia, and he joins us right now. Jordan, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me as always, Chip. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, really good. I've been thinking about you a lot lately, you know, with the um, with, with the attack on Israel and the conflict in the Middle East. Uh, I've just been wanting to get your impression on what that might mean for the energy markets going forward how big of a deal is this yeah i mean whenever you have conflict in the middle east it's going to have a premium in oil and the attacks happen on october 7th uh and since then we've had a run-up uh of about uh nine dollars in oil uh but over the last four days we've had a sell-off of six dollars so really, it's a headline-grabbing thing. Everyone's waiting. When you have these kind of announcements like pauses on land invasion and everything like that, the market kind of reassesses, tries to reevaluate and place a value on, on that. Uh, but tensions are still high. Uh, you have OPEC members that are very close uh, to Israel and Palestine. Uh, that are you need to keep an eye on Saudi Arabia, Qatar, all yeah. those other places, uh, the UAE. Um, how they respond will always uh, influence the price and which way it's going to go. Uh, we have a lot of leaders going over to the Middle East uh, right now and meeting with various leaders. That helps ease some of the tension. We're seeing some of that sell-off right now. However, this could change at any moment. Uh, this is just one of those ones where you're glued to your Bloomberg terminal looking yeah. for headlines right now. Yeah, it, there, there, there are similarities between... Uh, this conflict and its impact on the energy markets and Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its impact on the grain markets. Uh, you said it, the, the headlines and it, the crude oil is going to be very sensitive to headlines as, as they develop. What it, it, we continue to hear that, that Israel may try to, uh, uh, 
retaliate against Iran on this is if that happens, Jordan, that changes this game completely, doesn't it? A hundred percent. You know, if you get any kind of large conflict with with Iran, with Saudi Arabia, with Qatar, with any of these kind of nations like that, um, you know, it's going to force the United States hands. I'm not a political expert by any stretch of the means, but that would be the impact on the market. Right. Uh, You would have to get some sort of uh, interaction with the United States. They're going to have to probably back Israel. uh, And that would really move things along. Um, you know, and a lot of people relate this back to like, you know, 1974, right? That's the last okay. time we had this. There was the Arab-Israeli war. And what did that uh, uh, section of the Middle East do? They embargoed us. Um, yeah. And that's the reason we have a strategic petroleum reserve in the first place was because of that uh, under the Carter administration. However, for the United States, its direct involvement, things have changed dramatically since 1975 when the SPR was basically invented. Um, you know, back then, we were importing roughly, you know, 24, 25% of our oil from Saudi yeah. Arabia. Uh, nowadays, we're importing of the import origins. Canada's our biggest, and it's 60%. The second biggest import we get nowadays is from Mexico. So, and that's 10%. So, 70% of what we import these days is coming from neighboring companies, uh, countries rather. Yeah. Uh, also, if you take it back there, uh, again, this is the last time there was something like this involved. It was the Arab-Israeli war uh, in the early 70s. Uh, and it really affected the United States' ability uh, to uh, to to manufacture and refine oil. That's not going to be the case now. That's the good news. The price will be affected, but our abilities of, to supply the United States, in my opinion, will not be greatly affected. Okay. Uh, we're producing back then in the early 70s, we we're producing nine million barrels of oil a day. Uh, we're now 13.2, which, by the way, is an all-time high. We're breaking records on oil production in the United States. We're importing from neighboring countries. Uh, and we frankly just don't need as much in the SPR as we once did. It feels it's it sounds like you feel comfortable with the supply situation that we've got. I do. For yeah. the United States. For, for, for the energy US. security. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I can't stress that enough. You know, you hear so many headlines about the SPR and, you know, selling this and everything yeah. like that. Most people, little fun knowledge fact for you. Uh, in 2015, most of what we're selling out of the SBR was mandated then. Uh, it is mandated. We sell out of the SBR every single year to fund various government activities. That's just something that's going to continue to happen. Um, right now, we use the SBR as more of a geopolitical tool for oil prices than we really do for strategic purposes to serve the United States. If you go and research it, there is great debate right now over do we need 715 million barrels of storage for the SPR? My personal opinion is no, we don't. Uh, It's just too large. At one point, it was supposed to be 1 billion barrels. We never quite got there. We got to 715. I think it's probably oversized at this point. Uh, We don't need all that tankage. Uh, We could probably shrink it down a little bit. Okay. Well, you know, we we've been since those sales out of the SPR, we've been waiting for the Biden administration to start to refill the SPR and it was kind of weird timing because it was after the conflict in in after Hamas moved on Israel mm-hmm. that there was a comment from the Biden administration that hey, we've got to take a look at maybe uh starting to refill the SPR. It seemed like weird timing on that comment. Super odd timing, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it completely contradicted what they had said earlier. And I think their their goal was to buy back between like 65 and 71 or whatever the you know arbitrary yeah. number was, but lower than what it currently is. Right. Uh, you know, oil was trading in, in the 90s at that point uh, for WTI, uh, which is well above their mark or their target. So I, I didn't understand the timing on that. And really, you know, Chip, the only thing that's going to get us to those lower numbers, those targeted numbers that they had said earlier, the Biden administration in my opinion, is a global recession. So I don't root for the SBR to be refilled at this point. And for the reasons I said earlier, I don't think we really need to. Wow. Uh, it's okay. just one of those things that things have changed so dramatically since the 70s. Uh, you know, you talk about how much we sold and everything like that. So if we filled the entire SPR back up to 713 from what it is right now, it's at 50%, so about 360-something uh, barrels uh, in tank right now. So if you filled it all the way back up, OPEC cutting, 1 million barrels per day, which they've already done. They announced that back in June. That is the equivalent of half the SBR. So if you refilled it all the way and they wanted to, they could easily cut another million barrels and now it's booted. 
So the, wow. the ability for us to really manipulate the price, or that's a poor term, but to influence the price, rather, uh, the United States via the SPR, I think is also not what it was a couple of years ago. Okay. OPEC understands how to play their hand. They're playing it pretty well. Uh, we're going to have to ride this one out and to get to cheaper oil prices. Okay. Unfortunately, like I said, there has to be some sort of recession on that wow. topic. GDP okay. came out today at 4.9%. Yeah. Domestically, it doesn't seem like we're headed for a recession. Right, right. Okay. Uh, we got to be aware of that we're starting to run out of time, but I got to ask, what's the footing of the of the ethanol market right now? Uh, prompt margins remain good on the board. The board crush for November is 34 cents. However, we're in a steep inverse. Dece is 20 cents positive, and then it goes to 8 cents in Jan and Feb. That's still good. Still contributing margin back on the back end of the curve. Uh, but ethanol has been very strong in terms of margins recently. Okay. Uh, RIN trade, is it telling you anything about demand? Um, not about demand, but more so uh, where renewable diesel and bio oh. uh, uh, biodiesels uh, 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 margins are or were, rather. We were at $1.50 RINs about three or four months ago. I can't exactly remember. But $1.50 then became cheaper because the renewable diesel and biodiesel margins were too wide. It started to give off. The trade got wind of that. They started to get out of their length. Then they started to short it. We thought major oil companies would step in around a dollar. They didn't. We bottomed out around 78 cents sometime last week, and now we're back up to 88 cents. This, to me, is more just a, an indication of where biodiesel and renewable margins are. Okay. You went to the BioUrge headquarters in India. You were there last That's week. What did you learn? It's a, it's a completely eye-opening experience, uh, <laughs> one that I'm forever grateful to do. Uh, but, man, it is an emerging massive, massive country. Uh, the city that I was in in Delhi, New Delhi, the, the the state that it is in right next to it is 220 million people. It's roughly <laughs> two thirds of the United States population in a land size, roughly one and a half size at the time of uh, size of Tennessee. So the, uh -huh. the compactness, the amount of people and then the industry that is coming, the amount of people that are driving now compared to just a couple years ago, uh, demand is only going to increase. And that's one of the reasons that I keep saying, you know, the, the, the United States really doesn't hold the cards here. We're a country of just over 300-something million. There's 1.4 billion people in India right now. The 0.4 is larger than the United States. Yeah. Um, so we need to figure out a way to work with them, not only on traditional uh, uh, fuels, but on biofuels as well. Currently, they do not import fuel ethanol from the United States. If there'd ever be a chance to change that, it would really, really help the domestic uh, biofuels Boy, here in the United States. Ever. Well, they got to have some octane. they got to have some oxygen for all that fuel that they're consuming now you uh, said it yeah yeah man i always learn something from you jordan thank you anytime thanks for having me as always. all right buddy chip. you bet jordan fife president of trading at BioUrgia. coming up next conversation with representative sam graves here on agritalk is your dry fertilizer pulling its weight with Titan XC, your dry fertilizer will work harder than ever before. Ask for Titan XC on your dry fertilizer this fall to maximize nutrient efficiency so you can grow farther with greater yield and return on investment. Available exclusively from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant for more information. Always read and follow label directions. Unlock the full potential of your yield with Farm Journal's Connected Ag Project. Farm Journal has teamed up with a coalition of partners to support producers in harnessing data to fuel both agronomic and financial resilience. Built around the use and adoption of well-proven practices, participating farmers will also benefit from technical guidance, personalized data support, and direct payments. Visit trustinfood.com slash grow today to learn more about this USDA-funded project. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beej, we've got some pressure on meal and beans. We've got uh, some strength in wheat and corn seems like it's stuck in the middle. 
Yeah, uh, so the, the soy complex, that's quite a turnaround. We were trading to yeah. the upside and pretty solidly to the upside. Uh, but boy, here at mid-morning uh, and just within the last uh, 10 minutes or so, uh, we've really seen uh, those markets uh, turn lower. Soybeans five to six cents lower, uh, meals more than a dollar lower at the moment, and uh, soy oil is about 50, 40, 50 points lower. So, um, you know, this uh, quite quite a turnaround there. And that's despite um, strong demand news. So we had a daily export sale of soybeans to China. Uh, we had a marketing year high uh, weekly export sales of soybeans. And, and uh, so um, positive demand news there, but uh, we've run into some seller interest here at uh, mid-morning. Yeah, we had some good corn sales in the weekly export sales report too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, over 1.35 million tons uh, for corn sales, and, and so a good strong number there. And, and corn was trading solidly to the upside, yeah. but uh, the, the weakness in, in the soy complex is pulled, pulling that market off its highs as well. Uh, wheat is, is performing a little better, but also off its highs. All right, take this over to the livestock trade. Well, uh, I'll start with hogs, uh, moderate okay. gains there. So uh, corrective uh, rebound here. Uh, the cash market continues to drop on a seasonal basis, but uh, uh, we've seemed to find a, a little bit of footing. Uh, it's probably just a corrective rebound in the uh, the seasonal downturn, uh, but we are seeing those moderate gains at mid-morning. Choppy action in the cattle market, uh, both live cattle and feeder cattle. Uh, mixed price action with the front end just a little bit firmer. Yeah, all right. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you so much. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with Machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Hey y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Neogen. Igenity Beef by Neogen is a simple DNA test that allows you to make selection decisions in your replacement heifers that will build the future of your cow herd. Learn more at Neogen.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad you're with us. Uh, boy, let's keep it going. Representative Sam Graves, representing the 6th District of Missouri in the U.S. House, joins us right now. Representative Graves, it's good to talk with you again. Welcome back. Thanks, Chip. I appreciate it. Yeah, glad that you are here. Has Harvest wrapped up at the Graves Farm in Missouri? No, we're probably about halfway done. Um, we moved to Beans and... and uh, uh, got a lot of the corn out already. Bean crop is a lot better than we expected it to be. Man, I hear that from everywhere now, everywhere. I, I was leaning down on on the national average yield a little bit, but maybe maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. Um, okay, we've got a speaker, Speaker Johnson from Louisiana. It seems like he has hit the ground running. First order of business to pass a resolution supporting Israel, condemning Hamas. Uh, that seemed like an appropriate first action for the new speaker. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and uh, we had the resolution teed up and, and ready to go. Yeah. And, and uh, we wanted that to be the first order of business. And, and so I'm glad that that is behind us as well. Yeah, it was not a unanimous vote. That bothers me. Yeah, it bothers a lot of us, to be quite honest with you. The fact that we have people siding with a terrorist organization, people in Congress, uh, siding with a terrorist organization that killed Americans, by the way, and are holding Americans captive. Um, you know, it just it baffles me. Yeah. OK, uh, it, it, we're glad to see that that has has uh, that the resolution in support of Israel has been been passed. But what did the 
process of selecting and electing a new speaker due to the Republican caucus in the House. It was nice to see a unanimous vote for Speaker Johnson, but there's some real differences across the party in the House right now, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have that in any caucus, um, or in our case, conference. Um, You obviously have members that represent very moderate districts and members that represent very conservative districts and everything in between. And so it's, you know, it just takes time. And Republicans tend to be very independent individuals. And so that's, you know, one of the main reasons why it took so long to find that consensus candidate. But that's the way our system is and the way our our the founding fathers framed uh, the government. Obviously, they had a contingency for this. And uh, and, you know, and that has, you know, that process um, sorted itself out. And so we have a very narrow majority, um, narrow margin in a majority. And that makes it that much tougher because just a, a couple of individuals can, you know, can obviously change the uh, uh, the course of things very quickly. Yeah. Yep. You know, Congressman, you say that we're going to have that in any conference that because of the differences in, in the different districts and the people that are represented represented by the congressman but you don't see it on the other side the democrats fall in line um i like what you said about the independent thinking it if i'm looking for a silver lining in all that has happened it is in the fact that there are differences within the gop that are being worked out is is that the right silver lining to find yeah, I mean, and there's not a thing wrong with that. You know, again, Republicans are very, um, very much individuals, and they don't, uh, you know, they don't just, you know, fall in line like like robots. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that's, I think that's a very good thing, to be quite honest with you. Okay. You know, I represent my district um, to Washington D.C. I don't represent Washington D.C. back to my district, and I think that's an important um, yeah. and distinguishing, uh, you know characteristic okay so those differences mean that it's going to be difficult to move some of these appropriations bills is speaker johnson going to be able to find a way to move the appropriations bills through the house i think he will and you know we've already passed 70 percent of the funding for uh the government in the appropriations bills that we've already passed today we're going to do energy um and uh and that should pass um it, it, you know i don't see a reason why not in fact they just called a vote, um, first series of votes. We've got 18 amendments to, uh, uh, to vote on. And, and so, um, we'll let the, you know, the process work itself out. That's, that's the way it was designed. And the good news is, is that Speaker Johnson is, uh, he's committed to doing all the appropriations bills, sending them over to the Senate, and then hopefully the Senate will act. Yeah. I've heard there, there was some speculation that he might try to, to get a, a spending package done to move back that November 17th deadline before taking on the appropriations bills. Is that going to happen? It's that's a possibility. It depends on, on how much we can get done just in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we've got a schedule um, set out and, uh, and hopefully we're going to, you know, make that schedule. And the problem is, is obviously depending on the amendments and the number of roll call votes that, uh, that we have to deal with that can slow the process down, but, but uh, hopefully we can stick to the schedule. Right. Okay. Is there still a commitment to cut spending on the GOP side? Yes, absolutely there is. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. It's great to hear. You're the chairman. You are the chairman of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee. What's on the what's at the top of the priority list? Um FAA reauthorization, um, which we've got a deadline at the end of the year um, to have that completed. Um, we're waiting on the Senate. We have finished the work in the House. We're waiting on the Senate to act and so we can go to conference. Um, then we're going to start working on WERDA, the Water Resources Bill, yeah. um, which is very important to those of us in agriculture and the way we manage the Missouri and the Mississippi Rivers and the Ohio River, for that matter, but all of our inland waterways and the Corps of Engineers. So we'll be working on that um, you know, this fall. And, and, uh, that's obviously a big priority for us as well. Did I, did I hear this right? Is the army Corps of engineers being asked to help out at the Southern border? Um, I cannot tell you if I have not heard that, um, it could very well be, but I haven't heard that at least at this point. Okay. 
is the House going to find a way to take up the issue of the open border? Um, well, that's that's a good question. I know it's one of the things, and it's a priority for many of us in uh, in the House of Representatives. We have got to secure our border. This is this is you know what what's amazing is after what happened in Israel, we're seeing an uptick of you know, individuals that are on the terrorist watch list trying to get through our border, yeah. our southern border, trying to enter the United States. I don't know if that is a correlation uh, to what's going on in Israel, but it is definitely happening. And so we have to secure the border. This is a huge security um, concern. And the fact that the president has ignored it for so long uh, is extraordinarily concerning to me and to, to many of our colleagues. And now we're just starting to see um, the president react a little bit, but we've already got people in the United States. Um, you know, we you you can't catch all of them. Um, right. We caught a lot of them, but you can't catch all of them. Yeah, they, they, that was I, I was going to make that point. The good news is is that the process is working, and some terrorists on the watch list have been caught. What we don't know is is how many we've missed. That's right. That's absolutely oh. correct. Oh man. Okay, I want to go back to Worda quick. Um, mm -hmm. because I, I, I kind of derailed us there and went to the border. Uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what is in Werda and why is it important for farmers and ranchers? So Werda is, it's, it's what we call the water resources, um, development act. Mm -hmm. And basically it deals with, with inland waterways. We also have some port, um, issues in there as well, but for the most part, what's important to us in particular, um, you know, in the Midwest is how it deals with our inland waterways and how the Corps yeah. of Engineers manages, um, those inland waterways. And so it's, you know, obviously the Corps, um, has been, uh, you know, has been a huge problem when it comes to, uh, their priorities. Let's take the Missouri river, a perfect example, when it comes to managing those priorities and elevating things like, um, habitat, um, endangered species and, and over and above navigation and flood control, uh, when it comes to the river. And so we're, you know, we're, that's what we deal with in the water bill. And it's very important, obviously, to agriculture, anybody that farms on bottom ground yep. um, that's subject to flooding, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very important issue. Yeah, certainly is. I'm going to be down at the port of South Louisiana here in a couple of weeks, uh, taking a look and doing a tour and um, and broadcasting from the port down there. So we're going to be talking about a, a lot of the issues that you're dealing with. That is for sure. How high up the priority list for the House is the farm bill? Farm bill is is very high priority. And it, I don't know if you saw it, but Speaker Johnson, that was one of the items that he listed as uh, one of his top priorities to get done. Um, picking of the speaker obviously delayed us a little bit. They had hoped to have it done by the middle of September. Obviously, we didn't make that deadline. Um, but now the uh, uh, we are working through the process, and, and I hope to see the farm bill on the floor uh, by the end of this month. Well, first part of next month anyway. Okay. And so it, we've, we've got a, you know, we obviously have an extension, and, and we will get it done. Um, but uh, it is a top priority, which is important. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. But, boy, top priority right now is to work those appropriation bills through. Yes. This is going to be a real test uh, for the speaker. Good luck to you, uh, Congressman, and uh, I, I hope to see the the GOP working together on these. It should, it's going to be an interesting test, isn't it? It will, and but I think it uh, everything will be good. Excellent. Sir, thank you so much for making time. I know Excellent. you've got a busy schedule. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Chip. You bet. That is Representative Sam Graves. He represents the 6th District of Missouri. And there you go. Another yield report for us. We've, uh, we've got some better than expected bean yields there on the Graves Farm in Missouri. Uh, we are going to do another check of yields. And then it's time for a conversation with Lee Blank, Summit Carbon Solutions CEO. We're going to do that next here on AgriTalk. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. 
Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Farmers and ranchers across the globe each year are challenged with selecting the best replacement heifers. Genomic testing takes the guesswork out of what is under the hide and gives details of how that female will perform. Here to tell us more is Dr. Paige Pratt, beef specialist at Neogen. Dr. Pratt, how are cattlemen and dairies using genomic testing and what services does Neogen offer to help in that process? So Neogen offers a genomic test for both beef and dairy animals to be able to, at birth, take a sample of an animal, whether it be tissue or blood, send it to our lab, and within a month get information back on 17 traits in beef cattle um, and over 50 traits potentially in dairy cattle. And so we are able to peel the hide back on a baby calf and determine, is this an animal that will lead to profitability within your herd, given your herd's goals? And we provide a one to 10 score on all of these traits on the beef genomic side of the coin and PTAs actually on the commercial dairy side to be able to help producers be able to make better decisions for their operation. Oh, that is really cool. What is the one major takeaway that you want cattle producers, dairy producers, to understand about DNA or genomic testing? Well, DNA testing is just as easy as putting in an ear tag, and it allows you to be able to gather a lifetime worth of data on that animal to determine will she add value or will he add value to your herd. And we have folks all across the United States, there's over 40 territory managers that are there to help you interpret the data and be able to utilize it. That's fantastic. Okay, if producers want to learn more, where can they go? They can go to www.neogen.com or they can call our direct customer service located there in Lincoln, Nebraska at 877-443-6489. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Dr. Pratt. That is Dr. Paige Pratt, beef specialist from Neogen. In farming, you don't do anything halfway because putting in half the effort yields only half the reward. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer from Coke Agronomic Services is a dual-purpose solution that gives young crops critical nutrients for early uniform emergence, plus seed circulation and flowability. And with multiple formulations, you'll find the right fit. Plant smarter with Protivate. To get started, contact your Coke Agronomic Services representative or local ag retailer, or visit getgreatergrowth.com. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. Let's go ahead and clear the schedule for a Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. Chip, this morning's uh, installment of Yields in the Fields comes from uh, our neck of the woods. Well, okay. my old neck of the woods, Blackhawk County, Iowa. Excellent. Northeast, right there around the Sparkle City area, where a grower reports, quote, corn in rotation a little below my APH, but corn on corn 15 to 18% below average. Yeah. He says he's mildly surprised by bean yields in the face of the driest August he can remember. Most of the bean fields are right at APH. But that's 10 to 15% below the last two years, which were record yields due to perfect August conditions. Chip? Yeah. All right, Davis. Thank you very much. Uh, some big news on the carbon pipelines happening uh, right now, and we're going to get an update on the situation at, Subin- at Summit Carbon Solutions with CEO Lee Blank. Uh, Mr. Blank, thank you so much for making time for us this morning. How are you? I'm good, Chip. How are you today? doing real fine real fine getting some much needed rain it has started to rain during the show so uh it's feeling good feeling good yeah, what's the status it, what is the status of the summit co2 pipeline is it on schedule uh yeah i think it is i mean we've had some permitting delays chip to be fair and i think that's that's backed us up just a bit from our original schedule but the permitting delays i think are are now identified and so we see ourselves uh back on what we would call a revised schedule for for summit carbon okay. uh, again chip this is a with with navigator removing themselves from from the landscape yeah it really chip just places that much more responsibility on summit carbon to get the infrastructure project in place just based on what it means for agriculture and what it means for the u.s farm gate going forward so ultimately we're as committed today as we have been and, uh, and, and as the day we in, you know, conceived the project. So um, we, we consider ourselves on a, a secondary schedule, a, a revised schedule, uh, but still certainly pushing the project forward. Okay, Lee, it, it, it's no secret that this is a very controversial issue in, in Iowa, in South Dakota. Uh, and the reason that it's controversial is because on, on one side of the, the fence, there is a corn grower that is 100% in support of what uh, of, of the efforts at Summit Carbon on the other side of the fence. That neighbor might be completely against it, uh, and it might be because it's uh, it it's gonna put a scar on their dirt. Uh, the the what is at risk if if the pipeline project doesn't happen? You know, I think the risk chip comes down to the life, the longevity of the ethanol industry. And I think we get complacent sometimes and think about that consumptive market for corn on the ethanol side of the business. You know, it takes approximately 40% of the U.S. corn crop every year. And again, chip, I, it, it gets to the point where people, I think, get they forget what that industry means. Um, yeah. and, in agriculture, there's been step changes uh, all along the, 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 uh, the life cycle, whether it be higher corn yields, on a on a every eight year basis, doubling the corn crop, whether it be the ethanol industry itself, Roundup Ready soybeans, various practices, all those various things are step changes in agriculture. And the ethanol industry and the infrastructure project that we are are going to put in place are really the next logical step change for agriculture, because that consumptive market uh, in the ethanol industry today for corn can mm-hmm. be a bit volatile. Those balance sheets are not as robust and as or strong as they 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 can could be. And again, mm-hmm. they're, it's it's not bad today, but ultimately those balance sheets and that industry go back and forth from a, a good to bad over time. Yeah. So what this really will do will build a runway for the ethanol industry for years to come. With that runway chip, then we'll uh, derive higher corn demand at these consumptive markets, expansions of the ethanol industry to try and meet the sustainable aviation fuel markets yep. as well. Therefore, Chip, is it, is it, and the reason I get excited and want, to do, and, and want to be involved in the project, therefore driving higher values back to the U.S. corn farmer, back to the U.S. landowner, and back to, back to that generational balance sheet at the farm gate. That's what really drives Summit Carbon every day. 
Okay. Yeah, and runway is exactly the right word to use because if uh, we can get the carbon intensity scores down at, at the ethanol facilities, it does clear that runway for uh, ethanol to jet, correct? That, that, that's correct. And, and let's face it, at, at 30,000 feet, Chip, we all, I think anyone that's reasonably talking about the issue recognize we're not going to be plugging in the agricultural value chain. Uh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So let's think about a carbon responsible fuel, a fuel that we can actually push into the fossil fuel industry to help them with their carbon intensity. And again, without carbon capture and sequestration, the, the aviation industry, uh, without this project or projects like this, the aviation industry cannot reach the goals that they need on a carbon perspective to meet the sustainable nature of, of the sustainable aviation fuel market. Okay. So this project is critical uh, to, to driving value yep. uh, to the U.S. farm gate through those consumptive markets that would then expand for, for the ethanol industry. Yep. And again, I, I, I liken it this way. It doesn't need to be a discussion of food versus fuel, uh, Chip. Uh, that's, yep. that, that discussion's over. It's food and fuel as the, yeah. as the acre can produce more, is producing more, and we now find consumptive markets for these products. Okay. It's just okay. outstanding. Just under a minute left here, uh, Navigator canceling its pipeline plans. Is that an opportunity for Summit to expand its plans to include the facilities that we're going to tie into the Navigator pipe? It, it is. It certainly is. We, we uh, some time ago, from the conception of the project, uh, Chip, we envisioned a, a larger infrastructure, so we've already built the or, and planned and designed the infrastructure for uh, more capacity than what our current ethanol uh, partnerships are. So, yes, we do have uh, the, the opportunity to add additional volume to our infrastructure project and plan on doing so, frankly, over you know the next several months uh, as, as we talk with the industry and think about the industry. So, again, it's, it's a great opportunity for Summit Carbon. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that that we can increase the volumes on our particular project, and it's also a great opportunity for the ethanol industry to consolidate and find yep. themselves right behind, you know, behind one project. Excellent, excellent, Lee. Thank you so much for making time for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate it. You bet. SummitCarbonSolutions.com is where you go for more information. Come back this afternoon. We're going to be digging into the weather with Kevin Marcus. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if Micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? Micro Essentials beats commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with Micro Essentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic. When it comes to combines, capacity and cost keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss Combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at kloss.com. 